Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence, learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I actually traveled for work over the past few weeks, which was very new and different to say the least. I was with groups from 10 to 80 folks. Fantastic to experience people being together, not Zoom together, but side by side, connecting, learning, collaborating. And a number of folks shared how powerful it was to know what it's like to be in their colleagues' shoes, what I call the empathetic understanding. It was awesome to see light bulbs go off, this kind of aha moment. Wow, I get what it's like for you. So I start out uh, to just encourage in your own interactions, stay curious, you know, ask more than tell, and get a sense of what it feels like for the other person. And with this connection, you're in a much better place to then problem solve. Okay, I'm super jazzed about connecting with callers on our show today. We're going to start in upstate New York, and I welcome Jen to the show. Jen, thank you for joining me. Molly, thank you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Oh, it's so great. So share with me what situation or conversations on your okay. mind. Great. So, so I work at a global analytics company. And I've been there over 20 years, and I've worked across a few areas, so business development, product development, sales, marketing. And while we've changed a lot over time, as you'd expect with a technology firm, I feel like I have a strong sense of our culture and, and the work environment that I'm in. And it's a great company. And probably because of my longevity, I have a great internal network, lots of wonderful friends. And I often hear about and help with project issues, making sure communication's flowing, clearing up misunderstandings, all the things you'd expect to help keep the business healthy, which gets me to my dilemma. So one of our executives, a man, has earned a reputation within his functional area of creating, I'll call it a good old boys culture, because that's the, the phrase I hear over and over, uh, which has resulted in many of my female colleagues feeling left out and marginalized. I can't tell you how many people repeat those exact words, almost like it's a, you know, they just keep hearing it and repeating it. Now, I should also have mentioned that I'm a statistician. So at heart, I'm, I'm a data person. I love data. I make decisions with data. I, I tend to live by the idea of trusting God. All others bring data. So maybe to my own fault. But so, so the piece I'm struggling with is that no one has brought the data around this issue. Uh, there is not one incident of inappropriate behavior or comments that I've heard, and I've heard a lot of people just complain. I've traveled, traveled extensively with this person, and while, yes, he is self-centered, talks mostly about himself, sometimes even answers his own questions, uh, he doesn't treat people differently based on their gender identity. So when I hear the good old boys club comments and ask about specifics, and then there's none, it's just what people have heard. I feel stuck in how to respond to that. I don't want to come off as defensive of him and violate a you know, code of you know, people looking out for each other. But at the same time, I think we should all be held accountable for things we say, particularly if they're damaging to somebody uh, for the wrong reasons. So I just 
I can't find the appropriate words to do it. Ugh, this is so perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you for raising this. Uh, I think a lot of listeners are probably nodding their heads, and this is going to be a great chat. First, let me just uh, kudos to you, uh, analytics, data, such a big space, and trying to create information from data so it's useful so that human beings can make decisions is huge, uh, you know, limitless opportunity. So you go, girl, I'm cheering for you. Uh, and kudos for staying at a company and having some tenure because um, that's not something you can buy. And obviously, when you're a go-to gal, you know, people feel safe with you, Jen, which is mm. to your credit. Um, so it's a real privilege that people are open to you. And as you're noting, you have a real opportunity to uh, make the most of that and, and help folks use their voices in a way that's really constructive and productive for the whole. So huge. Um, okay. So I love the fact that you are, you being, the, I've, written, I've written this down, trust in God, all others bring data, that you have your own experience with this person, because I think that's very powerful when folks come to you. So I think the opportunity is acknowledging and, and obviously people trust you. So, Hey, I hear you. And I'm so glad you're bringing this information to me. And, and I, th I think the questioning opportunity is, so say a little bit more. I've heard this from other people and I think it's really important that we get a 360 view on this. So, and have them share more. Right. And so if, if you're saying there's no data there, so if they're saying, well, I've heard, then you kind of listen, you're connecting and then say, let's just pause. If someone came to me about you, so all of a sudden they're now talking about themselves, right? And they said this right. about you and this about you and this about you. Mm -hmm. Okay. What would you want me to do? Boom. Pause. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's la, 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 la. So part of it is I'm not trying to put you on your heels I think it's really important, especially in today's world with all the conversation, that we really honor the fact that, you know, we need to know when people have good versus not good intention. Yep. So that's just a, a one body. And I think that could potentially be a way to, to just create a little bit and then say, okay, so, well, so-and-so had such and such. Hey, I understand that is that person's experience. Here's what I might suggest is when someone comes to you, so you're doing a coaching role. How about saying, hey, I, I empathize, I feel that. Let's think about this. Is that objective fact? To what extent are we being part of the problem here? And then you say, look, for women, listen, we want to be acknowledged and appreciated for doing great work. We don't want to be, you know, um, given credit when it's not due, do we? Mm -hmm. No, of course not, right? So- mm -hmm. Let's just, let's just model this because the last thing we would want is to create resentment from, you know, the, the male gender, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're, you know, we're talking about someone's reputation and how people think about them. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'll just pause for a moment yeah. there. How's that? Oh, that's, I like the point that you just made about acknowledging and being appreciated for the great work because a few of the, the women that have left and when I spoke to them about that, one of the things they said was that, you know, I've been really, you know, knocking myself out for this company and a, a thank you would have been nice or some acknowledgement. And then even when I went back to some of the managers within that group and talked to them, they even said, you know, I realize I need to get better about thanking people when they do stuff. So I think part of this 
you know, might, you know, might be tied to acknowledging and appreciating people, which is, seems like such a light gesture, but I think it really does go a long way. Ah, another of my favorite, favorite, favorite thing. And I only know one person on the planet, Marshall Goldsmith, my beloved mentor and friend who's overappreciated. Literally nobody else in the planet is overappreciated. So I want to encourage, as you're talking to people, people need to ask for what they need. Okay. I'm going to go on the record. Sure. Leaders should know. They should know that acknowledging, appreciating, thanking folks for work big and small is something that we do. For a lot of folks, it's not a habit. It's not that they're bad people. Let's remember that. So we want to empower people to ask for what they need. Now, let's just have, and that's something you could say, well, they're supposed to acknowledge me. You're saying, I understand. Here's something that that might work. Um, Joe, gosh, I've loved working for you. You know, and I know that you appreciated the results that the team brought because you mentioned it to blah, blah, blah. You know, one thing that would really make a big difference is if you would do a shout out to the team and, and to me for what I've done. And I can't even tell you how much mileage that would bring. Pause. Yeah. Right? What leader isn't going to? Now, I can see how people, oh, it's a little nerve wracking. But if you say that, and like, I want to do my best work for this organization, I want my team to do their best work for the organization. And I just know that that pat on the back, that, uh, that you know, encouragement would be like unbelievable benefit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really funny with this particular person also, because he tends to fall back on big, elaborate gifts towards the end of the year, things that, you know, competitions where you're getting a, a watch or a trip or, a, you know, things like that. But I, I think that while those are, are nice to some people, I think those small, you know, consistent, you know, appreciation showing that it's not just at the end of the year that you get your round of applause. Yeah. So I also want to encourage folks, empower them. Let's say this is a, dan- a, dan- a dynamic that uh, well, you're, you're working with this person and you're like, oh, you know, uh, Sam, so great to have this gigantic prize. And I think people really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have an idea that I think would get you even bigger mileage all the year through with the team. So if you couch it in a, in a way that helps the person see how it benefits them, even though yeah. we want to benefit the whole, but yeah. we're all self-centered. Okay. So we mm-hmm. can find a way to appeal. <laughs> so I have an idea. So an idea mm-hmm. isn't like bad feedback or not doing something. An idea is something that could help us be better. Are you open to it? Yeah. Right. So if someone is tends to be more centered, just giving them some control. Yeah. Yeah. I'm open. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Here's what it is. Here's how I think uh, it would be a huge benefit to the team. And frankly, to you as a leader, this is what it would position you as X, Y, Z. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I um, want to, to take this for the folks because I have experienced this. I think for some women, it just feels impossible. And so it's, it is kind of easy to be like, oh, it's just this way forever. There's nothing we can do. Here we are. Woe is us. We're the victim. Mm-hmm. I think that that can, I, and I, I, I empathize with that. I, f- I feel sorry for folks who feel very powerless. And I think honoring, helping them appreciate that that's what they're feeling would be a first step. Say, wow, I, I'm getting the sense here that you just think it's never going to change. Do you think it's never going to change? And see what they say, right? No. So, well, no. no. Okay, great. So, you know, one of the things that the organization wants us to do is to empower ourselves, right? I mean, I, every leader I work with, 
um, you, you like your organization. I'm presuming you're still there because it's a place where they empower Jen to you know be mm-hmm. her best self, right? Yeah. And so hey, and so pros it someone. Let's let's turn the tables. How what how could we behave? What could we do that would be more a part of the solution? Well, I think so and so. Okay, great. Now I get that you're maybe a little bit ticked off, or maybe you're disappointed, whatever it is. But going into a conversation with that energy probably isn't going to get us started on a great foot. Right. So this is encouraging people to realize, look at the emotion is valid. It could be huge disappointment. It could be very unfair. I get that. However, we're trying to create change in the world, being positive, being open, exuding the energy we want other people to have starts with in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. That, that part I think is hard and, and you're obviously a confidant. So just being, Hey, I, I have to be honest with you. You know, I love you. And I'm just telling you what I'm feeling right now is a lot of negativity. Totally valid. Yeah. However, I don't think it serves you in raising this conversation. Right. So helping people get aware first and then say, okay, do you, do you want to do something about it? And we don't all have to do something about it. It's fine. You can say you don't, you want, then don't complain about it. I'm about consistency. You can, if you don't want to do anything about it, that's okay, but you can't complain as well. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. I'm pausing. I'm wondering to what extent do you have folks who come to you who you feel are in this bucket of just really feeling hopeless and hopefully not, but I I, I want to. There's not many, but there's been a few that have left uh, that, you know, that have just, you know, without really exploring the why and just deciding that, they they know what's happening and without really taking the time to try to understand the problem, just have decided that they're just going to jump ship and walk away from it, but then complain about it on the way out instead of saying anything while they were here. So that that bothers me a little bit because I think you can always fix problems when you know about them, but if you don't know about them, it's kind of hard when the person has already given their notice and said, okay, this, you know, but this is, this is why. And I said, I, I don't think that's why, but I think what you said that's interesting is the you know, the acknowledged, being acknowledged and appreciated is something that I think is probably the root of, of this issue is that I don't think it's the, you know, sexist behavior. There's not really any sexist behavior, but there is a lack of pausing to say, thank you. We've been moving so fast uh, that perhaps that, that has contributed to that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the opportunity for folks to model that, so we don't have to wait for the boss to acknowledge everyone, each one of us can just to shout out that so-and-so did such and such. Uh, So-and-so covered for me at lunch. Doesn't have to be, you know, some unbelievable diving catch save. Mm -hmm. And I also want to offer to folks as a team member, say, you know, one of the things you can blame me listening to this show, you know, appreciation, positivity is an attribute of the highest performing teams. How about if, you know, we start the meeting with a round of shout outs? Because I have to tell you, I have a few folks who really made a difference for me and I'd love to be able to shout, you know, give a shout out to them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because this is the being the change you want to see in the world. I'm so grateful for you bringing this up. Jen, do you have a top takeaway from our little chat here? Yeah, I think my top takeaway is really thinking about, like I said, making sure people feel empowered. Because I think when people feel empowered, I think the the ideas that, you know, like I explained with the problem, I think kind of go away. Because when they feel empowered to speak up and talk things through and kind of nip it in the bud, I guess the expression, uh, I think these things don't really have a place to fester and grow uh, across an organization. 
That's beautiful. Okay, you know how to reach me. Let me know how it goes. If I can be of more help, please thank reach out. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate really you. We appreciate and, it. Yeah, thank you for being part Thanks, of this. Thanks, Molly. Season, Have Take a great care. day. You too. Okay. Uh, I invite folks, if you're listening and you have a challenging conversation or situation to talk through, the number is 866-472-5790 or internationally, you can call collect country code 1-480-398-3352. And a reminder, more help for you at sayitskillfully.com, my website. Okay. We're now heading south to Alabama, a land of Southern hospitality and a fierce collegiate football rivalry between the Auburn Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide. I am delighted that Julie is joining me. Julie, welcome to Say It Skillfully. I am doing fabulously. Thank you. Great. Great. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to get some input on um, a couple of things I've been struggling with. Looking for it. Let me know how it, let's hear your situation and give a little context for listeners so they can appreciate where you're coming from. Okay. Um, I started a small at-home business, a wedding planning business over the last year. And with the pandemic, you know, everything is online now. So I'm trying to figure out how to market myself among my competitors without being overly aggressive. Um, You know, most of my clients are coming from posts on social media saying they're looking for this person or looking for that. And I'm responding, but then I'm also seeing all the responses from competitors. So how do I stand out without stepping on toes of people I'm probably going to be working with again at some point in time? Oof, great one. So first, congratulations on starting the business. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, very bold mood, and I'm cheering for you that way. More female entrepreneurs. Yay. Um, Okay, so this is, I'm going to take this a couple ways. Um, First is the question that you asked about um, mixing in with the the crowd. Um, Before I go there, I'd like to take a step back. I think for uh, folks, sometimes um, the the working on the business versus in the business, so the the on the business is more the strategic part. So if I might ask, and when you think about the service you offer and how you offer it, uh, Julie, what what do you think are the distinguishing things? How would, how do you want to be differentiated from others? Um, I'm very hands-on, very organized. And I think that's just really what I'm trying to tell clients is when you hire us, you get the full package. We're there with you. We're available anytime. You know, you're just not getting forms or an email. You know, we're physically present as much as possible. Okay. And if you think about the competition, is that something, Most are most folks kind of doing more volume so they can't be as, um, as you know, connected or intimate? Yes, yes. A lot of um, other planners are booking three, four weddings a month, and that's not what we do. We try to book just a couple of weddings a year is what our plan right now, so that when we're working on your wedding, we're not working on someone else's as well. We're just focused on you, so you get us 100%. Great, great. So I just encourage the, in your own mind, targeting the type of audience, client that you want, and Sometimes it can be a little bit um, 
tempting to try to be all things to all people. And if you know the people and, and so the more you know about them and talking to them and what matters to them, then you're, you're narrowing your, the, the, the aperture of who you're going after. Um, and, and I say that because it also helps you stay, it keeps focus. Um, and you, you maybe don't have to reply to things that don't fit the criteria. It takes a while when you're getting started to figure out, you know, what are the questions to ask that kind of help you self-select to the folks who are your tribe, I'll call it. So I just want to encourage, you know, as you're starting a, a continual focus on that so that you can really narrow that down. Um, and then when you're speaking to that, that group of people that want a specific thing that the others aren't, it's just an easier connection to you. Is that making sense? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay. That's perfect. So on the social media, this is, um, you know, I, I think playing nice is really important. And obviously what a joyous occasion, people planning weddings. So, you know, I think to, to your, to the earlier point, if you know the people that you're going after and they want a more, um, and I, and I might think about what are some of the words, how do you communicate this that lands for that segment? But um, right. letting folks know that we are a boutique, we are um, at lower volume is not the right way, but maybe customize thinking about the language so that it helps set it apart um, in the branding um, and without making other people bad. So you don't want to be like, well, those other people are doing high volume. Here we are. They can't possibly do a good job. It's just that it's different. Right. Right. So right. that's so been I, a lot of the issue is, you know, when I see these other people when they're posting stuff, they're like, oh, well, you know, we did a wedding last week and we did a wedding. And I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, but that's not what we do. But I don't know how to say that without being like, well, you're wrong and we're right. Yeah. That's a great point. Let me think about this. When you answer the posts, are they necessarily something that has to be where everybody sees it? Um, Typically, when people um, in the wedding business, when people are posting stuff on Facebook, that's how you do your initial comment is they say things like, I'm looking for a wedding planner for this time or this date. So you're tossing your hat into the ring and you say, hey, I'm from, we're J&A Weddings, you know, we're available that day, we would love to speak to you. And then typically they contact you back. Okay. So we'd love to speak with you. Uh, and I might provide two things, you know, we are a, f- a firm that handles you know, whatever number you're comfortable with, you know, maybe it's four a year, one a quarter, one, just say uh, we are a a firm that provides highly specialized, uh, customized, I'm trying to think intimate as a word. I mean, I'd go into the cinnamon world and think about a way that articulates the experience. Um, And uh, if that is something that's of interest, we would love to partner with you. You know, and, oh, and you're just get, giving yeah. them a heads up that what, not what they do. This is what we do. We work right. uh, with one or two brides and grooms a year. Um, we provide a, a very hands-on, customized, um, very intentional and well thought out, right? Because that implies time um, offering. And if that is of interest, we would be, you know, happy to chat with you. 
Um, so I, I think this gets to your okay. overall branding. So I think if you're thinking about a very exclusive, limited, you know, there's a certain feeling about that. And so your your website and your marketing materials and then, you know, your your posts would all want to reflect that experience. Yes. Oh, okay. I like that. Yes. Exclusive and limited. Yeah. Um, the, I guess it would be, yeah, you're getting started. So I know that there's a lot of just, you know, seeing what sticks. If you could share with listeners how you got started, how, how did you first get clients and, you know, maybe your early learnings as an entrepreneur? Um, we actually, we have a very good friend that when she got married, we had helped plan her wedding or I had helped plan her wedding. And we are sitting, my husband and I are sitting at the, um, one of the guest tables at her wedding and one of the groomsmen came over and asked if I would plan their wedding. And that's pretty much how it got started. Two years ago, sitting at a wedding venue, no plan as a housewife, doing this for fun. And then it went from their wedding to another friend's wedding to another friend's wedding to a friend of a friend and decided that we needed to turn this into a business because, you know, people really seem to appreciate the things that I had to offer with my organizational skills and um, just being able to deal with vendors and whatnot. Wow. So I don't want to say you were reluctant, but the opportunity presented itself for you to exploit. Oh, yeah, because we were not, I was not thinking of this at all. Like sitting at their wedding, I was just like, well, we're done. (laughs) It was just, we're done. We can move on now and just relax. And, you know, while we did the second wedding, the father of the bride kept saying, you need to do this for a business. And I was just like, I mean, I might. This is just fun. You know, we're just having a good time. And then the next one, when we went to that venue, it was actually a state lodge. And the event planner there kept saying, why are you not doing this full time? Why is this not what you're doing? And we decided then that this is what we needed to do. And, you know, and I like being, my bride's become our family. And we stay in touch with all of them. So it's fun because being so, like you said, exclusive with them, we get to know them. And you become part of their little group. You know, you are you become an extension of their family. Even after they're married, we stay in touch with everyone. Wow. Julie, does that happen with the other kinds of wedding planners, the, the you know, an extension Becoming part of the family is a very, you know, that's a very different level of, of partnership. I'm not sure. I have seen some that do, yes. But for the most part, I, I don't feel it's that way. I've not seen it that way, that once the wedding is over, they may stay in touch on Facebook when they tag pictures, but I don't know if they stay in touch. Like I have, I just talked to a bride yesterday that was married back in March and she texted me just to see how things were going. And, you know, I'm not sure if other people get that or not because of the volume that they're trying to put out each year. Wow. Well, so kudos to you because I, um, I, I think it's great that you've embraced it. And so I guess my question is, are you loving it? I and mean, how do you feel about being an entrepreneur and starting this business? Uh, I love it. 
you know, I was laughing the other day. I was telling a couple, we were talking, they're looking at starting a business. And I was like, Pinterest doesn't tell you everything. And it's hard work getting all of your license and this and that, but it, it's worth it. You know, I said, just the people that you meet and the things you get to do, the places you get to go into that you would never get to see, the behind the scenes stuff of venues and hotels and all. I said, it's fun. I said, looking at a blank slate and knowing what it's going to become in a year from now is just exciting. And it's exciting saying that I'm a small business owner. I love being able to say that. And I said, it's just a source of pride knowing that I'm my own boss and I built this from the ground up. I am so proud of you. This is amazing to, to, to get into something. Obviously folks were sort of begging you to join and that you're embracing it is really a wonderful thing. What, what has been, if anything, challenging? It sounds, I mean, I, I see that you've kind of worked through different problem solving, but is there anything that's super challenging for you? Um, no, <laughs> I hate to say that. I'm such a people person that I just go with the flow. Um, probably the only thing that has been the most challenging is just trying to break into meeting new clients and putting yourself out there because I don't like stepping on people's toes. So when I see a bride or I'm talking to a bride, I'm always hesitant on have they already talked to somebody else or they're leaning towards somebody else? Am I taking somebody else's business away from them? And that's been a struggle because I know that that's money out of somebody else's pocket if they've already talked to somebody and then I come in behind them and it's like, but let me tell you what I can do. And if they go with me, then I know that they've lost a client and that bothers me. So say more about that. Why does that bother you? Um, because it's money off their table, out of their pocket. And I know that it shouldn't bother me because it's a business and we're competitive and that's what you do. But it does. If I'm thinking that they have already met and talked to someone else and then they decide to go with me, I always feel a little bad that, you know, what if they, this business is what's putting food on their table. And um, it, it, that, that stuff bothers me. I understand that. I appreciate that and you, and that's why you're so successful because you have great empathy, Julie, and you can put yourself in the competitor's shoes. So one way for you to think about that is here you are serving people and you want them to have, this bride and groom, to have the most spectacular experience they could possibly have and arguably the most important day of their lives. It's getting started. So if you put yourself in the client's shoes and they would want to have the choice to select a partner that may give them an experience that, 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 that they would want, that would be better for them, and we would want them to have the choice. And if they don't know about you, they can't make that choice. Right. So you'd be, you'd be robbing them of an opportunity, potentially, to have a different experience that might be better for them. So would that, I mean, would you want to, rob a potential client of that right yeah that makes sense putting it in that perspective because i i don't always think of the client like i I think of the competitors a lot more and i think a lot of it is i have you know a, a lot of businesses you don't meet your competitors but in this business you do when you do venue open houses and your places you're meeting these people face to face so not only do i have a 
a name, but now I have a face and I have a phone number on my phone and I have a, a contact. And it's just a little different. Like you feel like you, you know, you're not friends, but you feel like you know this person. Yep. I, I, that's, I appreciate your being so uh, articulate about what's going on. And I think that you're going in and it is a business. So you're in, and acknowledging when you're meeting someone, oh, I'm not sure. You don't know. I don't know if you've um, talked with anybody else. Um, if you know them, say, oh, I'm very, I'm familiar with them and they're really great. So you're very complimentary always of the competitors. I am hearing something that might be an area that we specialize in. I don't want to rock the boat with whatever you have in progress, but I do want you to have my card. So if I might be of service to you, please don't hesitate to reach out. So you honor the uh, competitors being, you know, a good competitor, good, good people, right. that they may be working with them that you think that there's something that you have that might be a little bit different and you'd want them to be able to make a choice. And here's your number, no pressure. Okay. How's that landing for you? Yeah, I'm making a note of that. It's landing very well. (laughs) (laughs) I get that a lot with my clients. It's very silent. They're like, I'm writing. And then I say, I know. (laughs) So I am, I am really, yeah, that's great. I am really cheering for you. Yeah, we've talked about a lot. Julie, is there a particular top takeaway you have from our call? Um, well, just the last one of honoring my competitors, but making sure that the client gets what they need as well. And if it means that they go with me or not, I've got to give them that opportunity. So, because um, that's, that's been a, a struggle. And, um, yeah, so that, that definitely is a good way to put it. Because, like I said, I've not wanted to be overly aggressive or step on toes with people that I'm going to have to come in contact with again. But I feel like I have short changed myself a few times by not going after a client. So that makes me feel better knowing, you know, that I can honor them, but still come in and say, you know, well, this is what I have to offer. Absolutely. People have, you want, people have choice. You're just here to offer choice. And if you have things that you mentioned, I don't want to be aggressive. I don't want to just mention, Hey, be transparent. I don't want to be aggressive and I'm here not here to step on toes. Just be upfront about that. I can tell you're a very right. genuine person, Julie. So the more that you can be transparent and genuine with folks and that they understand your true intention and you, you know, kind of keep the faith that the right things happen. Um, but, you know, you're putting yourself out there so you give yourself an opportunity. Right. Yes. I love Thank it. You so I love much. it. You know how to reach me. I'm cheering for you. I'm looking forward to great progress. And uh, you take good care, and I appreciate you being part of the solution, Julie. Thank you so much, Molly. Talk to you later. Ciao, ciao. Oh, so great. Such Southern charm. Wow. Okay, next caller from uh, my stomping ground, New York City. I'm going to welcome Gary to the show. Gary, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, Molly. Thanks for taking my call. What is top of mind for you? Well, um, you know, what I wanted to get your advice on is, uh, you know, taking that, that big uh, leap of faith and leaving a very safe and secure corporate job to venture out on your own, which is, has been my dream. And, you know, a little bit about my background, I, I've been uh, a financial advisor for 30 years, and I work at a large corporation, and you know, my dream is to go and be my own independent boss. And I know it, you know, just looking at your bio that you had a similar experience 
And, you know, I thought it might be helpful if you could just, you know, walk me through how you made your decision to leave corporate America and, and even uproot and go from the West Coast to the East Coast and start your consulting practice. And, you know, was it treacherous? Was it, did you have sleepless nights? And, you know, all the normal anxieties and risks that come with that kind of decision. Uh. Thank you for bringing that up, and I, um, I appreciate the courage to even say that because I think lots of folks are in roles where they kind of think this is it, and the, even the idea of thinking that there could be something um, and dreaming it is, um, can feel a little scary. So I appreciate you bringing it up, Gary. Um, so this is, um, especially in this corona time, I think a lot of folks are really thinking, like, what's the point? And so I, for me, the grounding was just really understanding what I valued, why I'm here, what, uh, you know, what genius do I have? What's, what's the, you know, a lot of things I'm not good at. What are the few things that I am really good at? And I was able to just get great clarity on the problems I wanted to solve in the world, who I wanted to help. Um, how I could be the change I wanted to see in the world. And the show is just a product of that. And I'm not being, you know, kind of um, airy-fairy about it. It was very clear to me that I wanted to ignite human potential. I feel that the culture starts at the top and that there are a lot of great people out there um, at senior roles. They're not necessarily being the best leader that they can be. And I think it's a real privilege to lead and leaders should lead well. And I saw in corporate America, good human beings who may have achieved great results and had great experience, but themselves were not working very well together as a team. And for me, it was very clear that it is about the relationship dimension, our relationship with ourselves first, and then with our peers. And so the corporate environment, you've been in it, is a lot of doggy dog. Let's, you know, how do we create a rat race so that Sam and, and John and Tina are duking it out and we'll pick one and, you know, we kind of win at the other's expense. And I just felt like that's certainly a valid way to run businesses. Lots of them run that way. And I felt that there could be a way to, to work as a team. So I say that a little long-winded, just like to be grounded in what one cares about. Um, if you want to serve clients and help clients, you know, it's just a very clear sense of true north. And once you have that, it then becomes, okay, what's my special sauce? What do I do? And then it's, how do I make it happen? And there's so many people out there who I'm just going to say they they don't have as, as much resources. They may not have as much education, you know, and they're doing okay. And so I think when I looked at the whole thing, I said, what's the worst thing that could happen? I could leave corporate America. I could try to go off on my own. It could not work or not be as, you know, financially. I couldn't keep a living. You know what? I could get another job. So that for the, me, the downside risk was there wasn't any. And so for me, not being super ego-driven about like the golf club and 10 car or anything like that, that has never been something that's moved me. So I said, if that's the worst that happens is I try this for a few years, I learn a lot, I meet some great people, but it doesn't, it doesn't last or I don't like it and I can go get another job, that for me, I could manage that. I'm all about managing the downside risk. So I'll just pause there. How's that landing for you? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right. Um, uh, you know, I think it's very insightful, and and you know, obviously, your passion for what you do uh, has has 
you know, really helped usher you to this success and this new career. And for that, I'm, I, I, I compliment and congratulate you. Um, I, th- I think, you know, another avenue we could touch upon with this decision, and, and you hit it right on the head when you said, you know, in this post-COVID world, people are really stopping and taking a life pause and reflecting and making, you know, very important decisions, you know, moving from major metropolitan areas to the suburbs and the exurbs, leaving corporate America to go independent, leaving, you know, just all, all sorts of ramifications that we really don't understand just yet. Um, what was it like in the early days? Maybe that could, could help others like myself who are contemplating this decision. You know, you, you made the decision, you tended your resignation, they tried to make you stay, they offered you more money, et cetera, and so forth. You said, no, 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 I'm going to do it. And then, you know, on day one of the new chapter, you know, there's no meetings, there's no clients, you know, all the stuff that used to occupy your day, <clears throat> excuse me, is gone. How do we navigate that? Uh, we, the future entrepreneurs and, and, you know, consultants. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, my, my exit wasn't quite like that. I, um, I appreciate this. So I'm a, I'm a chemical engineer. I'm a process person. So I'm very step-by-step-by-step. Step step. And so I was fortunate because in going to consulting, I was able to have my former employer be an anchor client. Okay. So I felt like I had in the consulting mode, the coaching mode, I had enough um, proof points, if you will, to me that I could add value and people would pay for it. Okay. So I think that that is a key. You have to be objective about that. You, you, it might be that you think you could help people, but if they don't want to pay for you helping them, then that isn't a business. And so I think there is a bit of a reality check there. And so because I'm, you know, the, a year before I actually departed the company, I was able to kind of think this through, line up uh, an anchor client with my former employer. So there was some security there. Um, would I have jumped ship zero? I could have. It, I just think you need to be prepared to do a couple years of building it up. And so to the extent that you can parallel track proving out the value proposition, understanding a a bit of the marketing positioning target market and then how you go after it for me that that really helped me get off on the ground because i had that anchor client for a bit i really did spend some time to step back and say okay who do i want to help how do i want to create change in the world and and i say this you have to be very intentional otherwise people start going after every client that moves and they, are, they may need your work, but they may not be the tribe you want to serve long-term. And it's, that may not be easy sometimes. So if you have more financial pressure, you may take some of those. That's okay. But you may realize I'm taking this client for this, even though it's not necessarily the dream client. So I have uh, friends who have um, individual clients and they started to realize, okay, I've got these clients. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, a few of them I just, I shouldn't have. I said, okay, you got to lose them. He goes, yeah, I got to fire the clients. And that's okay. They're still good people. You can find other folks to support them. But I think that's that if you want to live the dream, you have to stay true to it, which those are kind of trade-offs that people have to make. Oh, that's great insight. Thank you. So now, you know, it's many years down the line for you. And obviously you've got a very successful practice and, uh, you know, podcast 
is amazing. The radio show is helping, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every week. Um, what, when, when you look back, what do you think set you up for the success that you have? What were the early decisions that you made that helped you get to the point where you're successful? And what were the pitfalls you avoided, more importantly, I guess, you know, in sort of managing the risk on this new venture? You're very, you're very kind. I really appreciate you, Gary. I, this is the deal. I've made, you know, we have done have enough weeks for me to talk about all the things that I've messed up in life. And so I would say that at the very, very core of it, I um, have always believed in myself. Um, and I have been very blessed to have unbelievable people around me, family, friends, colleagues. And um, I think that that has enabled me to have a sense of faith that good things will happen. And I would say in my earlier years, I would not trust the process. I wouldn't trust the situation. I would drive with my you know, gripping the steering wheel too tight. And then as I matured and was able to step back and give myself permission to do that, you know, you could see how the universe works. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I wasn't raised with religion, whatever, but I do have a, a sense of faith and spirituality that if you step back and you have good intentions, you think about things, you know, as objectively as you can, you know, you can make good things happen. Um, and it takes a tribe. And so I think when so you have a dream and you put that dream out in the universe and it's founded, you have the skill sets, you can see the opportunity, you know, those kinds of dominoes are in a row, you put it out there and it takes courage to say, you know what, I'm going to leave this and I'm going to go do this. And, you know, what I found is that a lot of doors opened, you know, sunlight came from the skies, things that I could never have imagined happened, and I was ready to do something about it. Whereas I think previously in life, I think opportunities to be lucky may have come and gone, and I was a little bit numb to them. So, you know, I think that for individuals, if you have, you know, uh, in 30 years, you've got a lot of relationships, a lot of contacts, a lot of people cheering for you. Think of those as a great asset. And then think about success. You know, I think you mentioned the COVID, you know, sure, there is a monetary aspect, but there's also the sense of control, the impact, the relationships. And I, I would ask folks to think about like what really is successful for you and, and to let yourself go for what you think is successful, not what the rest of the world thinks is successful. That takes courage. Um, and, it, and it, you know, it's, it's begging people to, to get to know themselves for who really, we really are. And by the way, when you do that, there's parts of oneself you don't really love. Like, oh, I really wish I wasn't that way. But with self-compassion, you just get to appreciate that that's just part of, you know, the imperfect me and you. So that, I think that, you know, the when people are spinning, and I see these people, I call them on the gerbil wheel. There's never enough. They have so much money, and they, it's never enough. I thought, wow, you know, if you're happy, great, you know. And, and but otherwise, I would hope that folks could could get off the gerbil wheel and say, okay, you know, we were born, we live, we die. What can we do in these years that we're on the planet that uh, create meaning um, and help us be with the people we want to be? Uh, to love and be loved, to quote Alan Mulally, one of my mentors, one of the things like you want to, you know, love and be loved in that order. Um, and, and that's a pretty fulfilling life. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, and thank you. I, I, the gerbil wheel is, uh, you know, <laughs> resonates, resonates for me, and I'm sure it resonates for a lot of other listeners. Um, you know, the other aspect of this decision, it's a major decision, is, is the people around you, your family, you know. I mean, you want to get their buy-in. You want them to be supportive of this. What, what, how do you sort of set the stage to initiate these conversations with your significant other, your children, these important people in your life that, you know, you're not going to be this corporate executive anymore. You're going to, you know, go down a new path and it's going to be more fulfilling for you and realize, of course, it has impact on these important people in your life. Oh, I appreciate you bringing this up. I just had this conversation literally with uh, a client in the last week or so. And they got very whole on what 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 was going to be meaningful, why it mattered. So, so if you will, integrity in the logic. And then they sat down and said to the family, you know, here, I've been doing this and I've realized that what I'm really passionate about and how I'd really like to make the world better is this. If I do this, it means that trade down on the car, uh, change up on these kinds of things that we've done. He just lays it out saying, you know, and this is something I want everyone's thoughts on. And a bit to his surprise, immediately, the children were like, we want you to be fulfilled and happy, Dad. Done. You know, we don't need, and it was very affirming to this person that the family saw this person as the person and the human being. They were not the breadwinner, enabler of all these fancy things that we have. And, you know, I think that that's a bit of the faith too. You know, if you've lived your values and raised your children and family, that, you know, at the end of the day, people could see what really mattered for him and the ability, you know, for the family to be supportive was just a natural. Um, and, and I, and I can see that, you know, being edgy for some people. And when people have conflict, I would also you know, just let folks know it's probably not about you. It's a relationship that they have within. And so that there's some work that they have to do to think about, well, what is, who am I? What am I, what do I need? Am I defined by all this stuff? Right. And so, that may be a conversation that's needing to happen. That's a really good point. And uh, I commend your colleague for taking that, that leap of faith. Um, uh, the other thing I, I, I'm thinking is it might also inspire my kids. You know, my, my children might see that, you know, my father after 30 years of a very successful career where he very carefully, you know, navigated these corporate waters and, and, built and carved out a really nice life for him and his family took a huge risk. And maybe I inspire them to look at their life in a different light and not just, you know, as you pointed out, get on that gerbil wheel and, and just keep chasing after it and, and have a more meaningful and purposeful and, 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 you know, important existence in your own, um, you know, in your own time. Kudos to you for realizing that it's an opportunity to lead. And leading oneself is where it starts, and then it's an opportunity to help other people realize that, right? We, we have to make the choices that we need to make. And, you know, when, you, when it's grounded in how can you, you know, live something that's meaningful, how can you serve others, right? Leave the world a little bit better. 
people may not necessarily agree with it because they have a different thinking, but they can see it. And, you know, I think the young people, I'd, I'd give our young people more credit uh, perhaps than some do. I, I get, I hear a lot, well, they want this, they want that. And, you know, I, the young people I know are, are very level-headed. They can see the world. They um, are not looking to be ahead of where they are. You know, I, I find them to be a very authentic, genuine crew. And, you know, I would just encourage you to give yourself permission to, to put it out there, to co-create with it, and to not be surprised by overwhelming support that helps you be you. So, um, Gary, we're going to have to wrap on the show. One top takeaway from our, our chat is for me that uh, take that risk, you know, do it, go for it. If, you're, if your head and mind are in the right place, uh, the right time is immediately. You know, you've got you've to live your life and make yourself happy first and foremost. And then you can go up and serve others with a fair and full heart. I love it. I'm cheering for you. Thank you for joining me, making time. And I thank you for being part of the solution. You know how to reach me if I can be of more help, Gary. Take good care. Thank you, Molly. My thought for the week, stop pushing so hard on the door looking for happiness. It opens inward. And I thank my friend, Bavub, bought for that. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your own top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 